0: Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster.
1: And I'm Claire Kimball.
0: It's Thursday the 18th of January. In your Squiz today, Australia looks to regulate AI, a wet start to 2024, the UK deals with a postal scandal and inner Sydney gets ready to rock. This is your Squiz today. If the rise of artificial intelligence was on your 2024 bingo card, we reckon you can cross it off now. That's because the Albanese government yesterday announced that it will establish an advisory group to look into the risks behind the rapid rise of AI and to formulate guidelines to help navigate the problems.
1: So that follows a round of public consultation last year on potential artificial intelligence laws. They received more than 500 responses to that. And Minister for Intelligence, industry and science, Ed Husic, yesterday handed down an interim report. He said that Australia had been pretty slow moving on artificial intelligence regulation, but Husick says that that needs to change if Australia is going to reap the economic benefits. They've done some analysis on this and what they say is they reckon there's about $600 billion to Australia's economy each year if we're able to deal with AI well. But for now, he says that there's work to be done to address what he says is a trust issue around the technology itself.
0: And as you might imagine, regulating tech that's been described as both hugely transformative and also disruptive isn't a straightforward process. So, Claire, the government's looking at a multi-pronged approach.
1: Yeah, multi-pronged, Alice. That's very government-y of <laughs> you. Multi-pronged it is because it is complicated. And when you talk about AI, there's varying degrees of what the government is concerned about. They're not talking about things like automated spam filters. That's low risk. What they're concerned about is in the generative AI space, and that's the sort that can create content, for example. So, there's talk about the mandatory testing of new products, also training standards for software developers. That's because its application for cybercrime, for example, or spreading mis and disinformation, they're a big concern for the government and for governments around the world.
0: Yeah, and just on that, we've talked a bit this week about 2024 being a big year for elections in the US. To address the concerns about generative AI chatbot ChatGPT, its creator OpenAI has this week banned American politicians from using its technology in their campaigns. With the rise of very believable deepfake videos and the like, the company said that it's working to learn more about how people use or attempt to abuse their technology. The wet summer that much of Australia has been dealing with hasn't eased off yet, Claire. Yesterday, all capital cities, except for Adelaide and Perth, had huge amounts of rain.
1: Yep, Adelaide being the important one there, Alice, of course, I'm (laughs) sure you would say. (laughs) Notable. (laughs) Yeah, and look, a lot of capitals didn't just have a sprinkling of rain, as you said. Serious storm warnings and flash flooding warnings were in place. Um, A lot of places have already been drenched over the last couple of weeks, so lots of concerns about that sort of emergency-level stuff. And it just adds to this summer of very unusual weather records. Mm. Of course, we say unusual because most of us were really expecting it to be hotter and drier. That's because the Bureau of Meteorology called an El Nino system uh, back in September. But the stats point to Melbourne already having its wettest start to the year since 1996 and Canberra hasn't been this soaked in a January since 1984.
0: There is a little bit of good news for anyone needing to get some washing out to dry tomorrow though. Things are looking dry in the southern states for about a week, but. If you're in the Northern Territory or Queensland, there is still a bit of serious wet weather on the way and possibly even another cyclone. So make sure to keep an eye on the forecasts for that. If you were on any international news sites yesterday, you might have noticed that the UK post office came up a few times. It's involved in a scandal which has been described as the biggest miscarriage of justice
1: in British history. I have to confess when I saw this bubbling around over the last couple of weeks that I had to sort of pause and read. It's like how does the Mm -hmm. UK post office get into a big scandal? But just on the background, 900 postmasters, so they're the people who run the local post. Offices. They were wrongly prosecuted for theft or fraud between 1999 and 2015. That was after faulty software made it look like money was missing from their branches. The tech company Fujitsu, it developed the software and just yesterday it apologised to the victims and it's promised compensation. The scandal's been known about for a while because of all of those prosecutions but the reason it's bubbled up is just in the last couple of weeks a docudrama has gone to air and the whole saga has caused a new wave of public outrage.
0: Yeah, that's right. And off the back of that show, a million people signed a petition calling on the former CEO to hand back a royal honour. And the UK PM Rishi Sunak has also gotten involved. He's moved to exonerate all of those wrongly convicted. There's still a public inquiry going on too, so it's likely to come back up again this year. dot com forward slash squeeze today. Claire, we spoke about Princess Anne's statements against fast fashion earlier this week, and this is sticking with that theme. The Japanese clothing company Uniqlo is suing the Chinese fast fashion company Shein for ripping off its products.
1: It all really comes down to a handbag. So Uniqlo says that Shein is flogging a cheaper knockoff of its very popular Mary Poppins shoulder bag. Uh, I had to look this up, Alice, and when I (laughs) saw it on the internet, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen that bag around a lot. Uh, It's become really popular after trending, as these things do these days, on TikTok uh, what uniqlo wants shein to do is to stop selling its version of the bag and it's after compensation as well for stealing the design what the japanese company says is that imitation products significantly undermine consumer confidence in its own brand
0: and if you're someone who's been keeping tabs on the growing pushback against fast fashion you'd probably know that this isn't shein's first rodeo it's previously been accused of copying products from smaller businesses and Claire, this is probably a good spot to mention that you and Kate recently had a chat with the fashion editor at the Financial Review, Lauren Sams, about this very topic, fast fashion. So I'll pop a link to that in the episode notes. This one's for Sydney siders who love heading to a gig. The state government has lifted the number of concerts which are allowed at Sydney Football, or Allianz, Stadium. It's gone from four up to 20, but Claire, not Everyone is very excited about that.
1: No. So locals around that stadium, which is just next to the Sydney Cricket Ground and it's the Moore Park sort of region, if you know Sydney at all, it's really just on the edge of the city. Uh, those residents have been holding firm for decades about restrictions on the number of concerts that can be held there. It followed a very noisy Rolling Stones concert in the 1990s. It prompted mass complaints. I can only imagine <laughs> what that was like. But what the Premier, Chris Min says is that. Sydney is Australia's only global city, I think them's a fighting words, but they're <laughs> his words. They're not ours. Um, and he says that you can't expect the city to be a country town and therefore quiet. So essentially, if you're a Sydney-sider, you know the big concerts are generally at Homebush, which is in Western Sydney. To have more of these big concerts actually close to the city would be very handy. But of course, the residents aren't happy about that.
0: Yeah. Well, Mins reckons that having more of these events in Sydney could help the state to attract more big global acts. And he even named Drop Beyonce as a potential star to visit. Who could possibly resist her, Claire?
1: <laughs> no one. I'm absolutely <laughs> going to see Beyonce at Allianz Stadium for sure.
0: Squeeze the day, Claire. Good time to shout out that the latest Year Ahead episode has dropped in the News Club channel this morning. Why don't you tell us a bit about it?
1: So Kate and I spoke with Helen McCabe, who is a former editor of the Women's Weekly. She's also the founder of Future Women. Helen is a complete politics nerd. (laughs) I really like talking to Helen about the news. Uh, So we talk about what's coming up in 2024 when it comes to politics, also what's coming up for gender equality. So it's a really great conversation, Uh, definitely one to listen to if those couple of topics really interest you. Uh, Also, if you head to News Club and have a listen, there is a code there that you can get a Future Women red membership for free. Uh, It's valued at almost 50 bucks. So head on over there and have a listen.
0: Good one. And that wraps us up today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hi there,
1: it's Bryce from Squiz Kids, the daily news podcast for small people. March is Women's History Month and we're celebrating over on our socials. Every weekday this month, we're throwing the spotlight on a different iconic woman from Australia's rich history.
0: Follow us on Instagram via the handle at squizkids to learn the backstories of some incredible Aussie women and together honour their legacies.